Welcome to the Growth Hacking Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Palomino. This podcast is about thought-provoking ideas to scale up and growth hack performing and human-centric work cultures. My guests are experts on mindsets, skills, and science behind work cultures. I hope you enjoy this episode. We all have heard about the Great Resignation, so this mass exodus of workers leaving their jobs in the 2021, 2022. And the thing that is quite impressive is that we thought that it was gone in 2023, but not really. It's still there. Um, and it's making very difficult to companies to find and keep qualified employees. Companies have tried to find solutions to retain their uh, their talent, their employees, but only few really have cracked this code to make them stay and be engaged at work, which are two different things. Huh? It's not because you stay in my place that you are going to be producing and you're going to be really motivated to do great things at work. Uh, the amazing thing that I have found is that through social media, thank you, LinkedIn, I have found a person who is really capable of make me, make me understand this transition that there is between where should we really focus as an organization? Is it rather in the employee retention or the employee experience? Or one comes from the other? So that's the, that's the thing that I would like to understand. And the reason why I found that Paul is the right person to discuss this topic is that because he has a very personal journey that I found quite relatable to understand, in fact, the needs of employees. Now, he has, after 22 years of being a lawyer in the area of labor and employment, Paul made it to his promise to improve the lives of employees beyond just enduring work in exchange of a salary. We don't want that. Um, today, he helps organizations identify, deploy, and live through human-centric values. He's also the co-author of a beautiful novel. Oh, no, it's not a novel. In fact, it's an experience about going through El Camino. Oh, lovely. This is something that I love. By the way, I have been there. So I know I, I was imagining your path. My Camino Walk, number one. And he also co-authored a book regarding coming from a lot of independent minds and expert ideas on how to thrive in the changing world. Paul, thank you very much for making it to this post podcast, Growth Hacking Podcast, where we try to discuss and, in fact, find a little bit the angle that would be different to what the usual and traditional human resources or CEO would think about creating awesome, beautiful uh, cultures at work. Yeah. Paul, tell me one thing. So already the transition that you that you went through. So being a lawyer and saying, what the hell? Lawyers earn their, their life quite well, by the way. That's something yeah. that uh, I have heard very often. And I have paid many lawyers also in my life, so I know how much <laughs> they could earn. How did you come up with this, this idea of enough Let's do something that is different and more impact-driven. Well, I, I I think that you tell the story already. I was walking my own Camino as well. I, I walked my own steps towards what do I want with my life? And that's your search for purpose. Um, I, I started working early in the 80s of last century. And you, you know, 
business wasn't good. Economy was bad. We had a lot of problem with gas and oil and that kind of stuff. And everybody was happy if he found a job. So I found a job in social security in the Netherlands. And I thought, Paul, this is the first chance. This is the amazing point to start. But what you do in a lawyer in social security is you do lawsuits against human beings who made a mistake. So you're always at the back end. When something goes wrong, then a lawyer is hired. And that's why they charge you 200, 300 euros per hour. Uh, <laughs> because they can, you are in trouble. So they will find you. And I didn't like it. Um, I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to talk with people. And then I thought, what is my niche or niche? And my niche is that I don't like the term human resources. Mm. It, it was nice in the early 20th century when we had a lot of people needed in the industry to go to work. And Taylor said, let's call them human resources. And it isn't that anymore. People are now educated. Uh, all the people have that feeling in their body that they say, mm, this is important for me. Doesn't mean that you always need to be happy, but you need to find some. And that was my struggle. I found positive psychology. Uh, a, a professor I work with, and he, he told me the story. And I thought, mm, this is this is nice. So I went from the back end looking at the front and we call it in the Netherlands amplification, make it stronger and make it bigger, that feeling, that positive feeling. And that's what I try to help because you are talking about retention and to retain people. Well, maybe you don't want to have them in your company after a couple of years. So. That was my story, my walk, my Camino. Um, and when I had done my mental journey, I thought it's wise to do the physical journey as well, which is much more spiritual than I thought. So I walked that 800 kilometers from Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port to Santiago. And last year I did Porto to Santiago, which wow. is much less. <laughs> People tend to to um, to think that doing El Camino is something that has to do with religion. But at the end, most of the people that I have heard about their journey, it is just about their search of purpose. Because sometimes yeah. we need to just to disconnect and think. And funny enough, it happens to most of us at around the age of 40s, where we are asking ourselves the big questions. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> exactly. Well, I and I totally agree with you. When when I, I, I walked the first time in 2013, um, so 10 years ago, and, and for me it was uh that I wanted to get out of that hectic life that we have. And when I started working, we didn't have uh, cell phones and we didn't have computers, and you were writing stuff down, so life was easier because you had more time you could think you could walk and life became hectic and pressureful and i wanted to get away from my phone my computer my company 
the people I worked with, and I just wanted to walk. So I had a small phone, a flip phone, and yes. I had four telephone numbers in it. I always tell my wife, my two kids, and my physiotherapist, because I thought if something happens, I can call <laughs> him, and he will help me out. So I wasn't connected to the outside world, but then you kept connected to your own inside world. And you kept connected because you are talking with other people that you encounter on your walk. And you say, hey, how are you doing? Where are you from? And people tell their story. And after five, 10, 30 minutes, an hour, you say, bon camino. And you walk away. And everybody accepts it, that you want to be alone. It's amazing. I, I think it will be a life-changing experience for everybody. And it helped me to make that uh, transition into positive psychology. Mm. And of course, I can still think like a lawyer. I was just doing an agreement that had to be, that was mouth to mouth, not accepted anymore. And then I start writing it down and then I will be a lawyer again. And that's funny that you still can act like a lawyer. But I want to talk about employee engagement and about core values. That's what I love to talk about. Indeed. Now, let me understand the context, just to give a little bit of context. Um, the big question is, are companies really doing the right thing? And I wanted to, to have your opinion and experience, in fact, with all the companies that you have worked with in order to understand what do you think are, think are companies doing wrong to attract and retain their top talent? Are they doing something wrong or is it just... Well, I, I, it's, it's never that you do something wrong. I, I always think that you can do it in a better way because... Mm -hmm. It's, it's like using the word change or development. If we say, hey, Ivan, you need to change, that's a negative thing. If I say, hey, Ivan, the world is, is different now, you should develop into, and then it's more positive, it's an invitation. What we did wrong is that we tell people to change and to behave like human resources and not like human beings. So I think every human being has their own core values. And I like to see them as non-negotiable. You can't change that core feeling that you have that is making up your decisions. So the core values are in your life. They, they are part of your DNA. They're part of your history. They're part of your education. You set your core values and then you train and you work and you come in a company and what you need to do is check whether your core values fit in and are aligned with the core values of the organization. Now, if we do something wrong, it's that start. It's that onboarding. We tell people what to do instead of aligning them with our core values, with our mission, our vision. And we think that they will get used to it and that they will do what we want them to do. And that's wrong. 
because every human being is in itself with its own core values. Um, now, the, the, the challenge is, Paul, is that it is very difficult for most of us to understand our core values. It takes one El Camino for Paul, it takes a burnout to Ivan. Uh, that's already a big challenge to understand really what really matters because we always pile up a lot of unnecessary stuff yeah. for that and we believe that it is also important. Uh, that's number one. And the other thing is that companies, despite of what they write in, uh, in websites, the core values that they live through might not be the ones that you find yeah. in the uh, in the website. Yeah. yeah. How do we get out of this vicious circle? <laughs> well, for me, uh, and I wrote the Dutch book and we're working on the English version about profitability 2.0, because I think that if we work hard on aligning core values, and of course the company doesn't need to change them for the employees, that's something different, but an organization is a group of human beings sharing the same purpose. That's an organization. Sometimes you have shareholders and they make the problem because they want to earn money and they don't look at human beings, they look at human resources. So that's something that we need to work on. But if we can say, hey, our group of people have this as a purpose. If you want to work here, you work hard, you earn good, but we'll have a good life and we take after your well-being. That's what an organization as a group of human beings will decide. Then you set your core values. You have four or five. You don't need to have too many. I know a company, Zappos in the US, they have 10 family core values. Way too much. Mm. I, I, I work with them, but I, I don't know them. I know number one, deliver wow through service. And I love it because every human being gets it when you order something online, you want that wow feeling. They deliver me service. They deliver in time. That's a big challenge nowadays. So an organization as a group of human beings have a purpose and core values. It doesn't change with a new CEO because the organization is still doing the same. The plans and the strategies can change, but the core values, mission, vision stay the same, can change over years, but not in a day. So if I want to work with you, I need to ask as a human being, hey, Ivan, what are your core values? And if you don't know them, say, well, that's funny. What is your purpose in life? And then we can connect your core values. So that's what I do with a lot of people in training. And I ask the CEO, what is your core values? And they say, um, I don't know. And they, well, we can help <laughs> you. And then I ask, like you did, tell your story. What is the most important story of your life? And by listening to that story, you can find out what the core values are. And we have in the training that we ask, what is the most important movie that you saw the last two or three years? What part of the movie was most important to you? Tell us why it was important to you. And if I listen good, I know your core values. 
So mm -hmm. it isn't that difficult, but we need to take time to find them. And if we want to be happy at work and we want to increase profitability of organizations, which are we ourselves, then we need to take time to find purpose and core values. Hmm. And we have forgotten it because we are so hectic the whole 24 seven. So if I understand correctly, in order to, that one thing that could be improved for corporation is communicating, making it making it visible all the 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 their core values. In order that the person who is in front can decide that this is a match, because yes. it's not like I mean maybe it is something that could be the core company uh, core values could be wrong for me, but for somebody else could be excellent and they will try because it's all about the right matching. It's a little bit yeah. like marriage, uh, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's not like one or the other are perfect. It's just that they are good together, right? Yeah, it works or it doesn't work. And that's why I, I think it's good that people every four or five years, maybe three years, challenge their work situation and think what makes me tick. That's a saying that we use in the Netherlands. What makes me tick? What, why are, am I still working in this company? What, what is giving me energy to stay there? Because working will cost you a lot of energy, but work should give you more energy because if you have more energy than it costs, then you are engaged. And engagement is the way to success. Uh, exactly, exactly. So depending on the context uh, that we are in, I mean, the number of hours that you spend doing something that you love doesn't, is not the same as the number of hours that when you are doing something that you hate. And yeah. and that's what we call the, sometimes we can call it the, the flow effect uh, is, or just to be engaged and loving the, the stuff that you, that you do painters, people at work can have it. So, and yeah. even infants. Um, Paul, very often the, um, the number that is looked at in corporations in order to see that uh, if employees are, uh, if we are retaining, uh, uh, employees are being retained correctly is the indicator of how many employees uh, are leaving in a, in a period of time. Uh, and my question is, is that the correct way to, to look at employee retention? Uh, just looking at this rotation that there is in, in within one year, 10% of people left in my previous company when I was in the corporate world, it was like that. It was one KPI yeah. to look at that. Uh, yeah. Is it still relevant today? Well, it's, of course, it's one of the KPIs that you need to have uh, because if it's about eight till 10%, that's what I call normal rotation. People come in, like it, don't like it, leave, can make a career somewhere else, want to make a next step, find a new purpose in life. It's all good. That's within 8 or 10%. The great resignation in 2022 was about 50% in the US and in Europe, 35%. Mm. What happened, suddenly people had time at home to think about their life. 
They weren't rushing anymore. They were sitting and thinking, hmm, <laughs> do I still like my job? By the way, normally I had to spend more than 40 hours in the office to do my work. Now I do 40 hours at home. Am I still connected to those other human beings in the company or am I left alone? And when I'm left alone, can I leave because there is no connection? I think that as KPI, we should have eight to 10%, but connected also with sick leave because medical sick leave is about 2%. Mm -hmm. Every company has a higher sick leave. In the Netherlands now, we have 5.8%, 6%. That means that at least half of it has no medical reason, but has to do with lack of interest, uh, lack of well-being, lack of feeling happy at work, um, and then we call it burnout and stress. No, it isn't. You are not getting any energy from your work. You need to work on what are the energy givers in my work and what are the energy takers. And if the number of energy takers are much bigger than the energy givers, then you're not burned out. You mm. need to find another job. You need to take responsibility. And your manager, your leader should say to you, hey, are you still in the wrong or in the right position? Can I support you to the next level? And maybe that's outside the company, but sometimes it's better to have people leave than to keep them. Because if they're not productive, they will cost you more money than when they leave. So it's always that balance between individual positive energy and the results for the organization. And I call it the seven keys of talent management. Um, and Gallup is doing worldwide research. And Switzerland is one of the better boys and girls in, in, in Europe. You have higher engagement and you do it much better than the Netherlands. Um, but the, the point is you can measure it. And it, it has to do with uh, customer loyalty. It has to do with making mistakes. You see a lot of organizations have a lot of mistakes in, in their organization and then they blame the people. No, it's lack of engagement. Mm. Because... If I'm not focused, if I'm not concentrated, if I'm not in a positive mood, it's easier for me to make a mistake. And that's lack of engagement. And that will cost the organization a lot of money. So we call it presenteeism. You are at work, but you're not really productive. Mm. Um, well, then it's better if you find another job. Could be. Now, you triggered me a little bit with the, the topic about the number of sick, uh, sick leaves. Uh, is it, so are you saying should we consider it as, uh, as one of the KPIs to, to, uh, for, for employees? Yeah. Because from one side, it is good that they are, if they don't feel like going to work, they declare sick leave, it's, call it recharge day. Because in some countries there is no, there is recharge days, by the way. But in most of the countries, you can take a sick leave to in order to recharge. So if there is like a 
a good eight to ten percent of uh, of people who are taking the uh, these sick leaves, it is it maybe it's, it's a positive sign that that they they can. Um, and if it is too low, maybe it is because they cannot speak up and they have to hide it. Yeah, that, to, like that. I, I I can tell you, I worked in that field for 20, 25 years, uh, and I always heard these arguments. Uh, the, the, the point is, you have two kinds of leave. You have sick leave that is connected directly with an illness, a medical situation. And next to it, you have special leave. And mm -hmm. that can be your recharge leave. Yep. Um, I think we should treat them fi uh, financially in the same. In the Netherlands, we do it that way. You you get 100% of your income if you're sick or you are on holiday or whatever. But I like it more if we call it recharge days because then I can ask the right questions to you. Mm -hmm. What do you need to recharge? And if you say, I want to walk the Camino, then I can discuss that with you. If you call in sick, then it's called privacy. I can't have that open, valuable discussion with you, what, what you need. So if you say, I broke my leg, I'm in hospital for two weeks, fine, no discussion. Then you said, how can I support you, bring flowers, that kind of stuff. <laughs> if you say, I need to recharge because I'm not feeling well, my well-being is at stake, then as a leader, I should have a discussion with you, an open conversation. What do you need, Ivan, to keep on working and to recharge? And how can I facilitate you? Because then we are both equal human beings with a good conversation. And what we do is we put it in sick leave, then we don't need to talk about it. But that's the wrong, uh, that, that's why people leave. Yeah. Uh, now I thought it is crystal clear for me. Now, the thing is that it's, has it become more difficult today to retain employees if we compare it like 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Absolutely. I, 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 I was born in, in the end of the 50s. Uh, then it, it was amazingly, if you, you worked less than 25 years for the same company. You started to work when you were 15, 16, you worked there 40 years, you got, got a golden uh, watch because you did it. And people loved it to work at the same organization for 20, 30, 40 years. Why? We didn't have that much cars. Transportation was bad. It was close by. Mm. You earned enough money to survive. We had television with one or two different uh, parts on it. So, and now we have computers, we have phones, we see the world. You lived in Dubai. I, I travel all over the world. Our perspective of life is totally different. So for an organization, it's much more difficult to retain people because their scope it's much broader than 20 years ago, 30 years ago. If I went on holiday when I was young, well, that was to Belgium, maybe Luxembourg from the Netherlands. That was four hours drive. Now we fly to 
New Zealand, um, Brazil, uh, South Africa. The world is completely changed. The world is open. Everybody can see what's going on. My son with his wife is now in uh, Australia traveling for six months. Beautiful. I, I didn't do that kind of stuff. We had two weeks holiday and we were happy with that because our scope was more narrow. We were more focused. The world was smaller. Now the world is big. So I see a lot of new challenges coming. So yes, for an HR manager, a CEO, it's much more difficult to have that good story why people want to stay work for you. So CEOs need to become storytellers. Why do you work for me? And why do I, as CEO, work for you? Most of the time, CEOs see that people work only for them. That's why they on the highest floor, maybe have their own elevator, have their own parking spot next to the entrance. No, no, you're, you're now the storyteller why people should stay in your company. That's a totally different perspective for CEOs. I love this because, and I often, when I interact, especially with Gen Z, I, I, I tell them that the, the reason how I chose my, my job, it was money and reputation. So I went for the highest bid and I stayed there for a, for, for a while. Uh, and the uh, and the Gen Z, the, the, the way of looking at the, the priorities in life. So for instance, they put salary as number four beyond, uh, uh, after, I don't know, well-being, development, and some other things that, uh, uh, that are important for them. And indeed, being a storyteller, being, it, is, it is a way to engage people and to be a little bit able to cut with the, all the noises, uh, all the noises around, because as you said, it we are overflooded with information, yeah. and that has made it very difficult to pay attention just to websites and so on. Now we, is the time for people to convince. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think uh, I look at Gen Z uh, in 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 a way like, well, they they're standing on the shoulders of the older generations. So what they do is not because they are so bad that they put purpose first. No, that's how we train them. Mm. When my father started working after the Second World War, that was to survive. So look at Maslow. Yeah. My father was on the lowest. He needed to work 60 hours a week. He had eight children, so he needed to work hard to give us food and clothing and that kind of stuff. Basic level. Then he grew up, got his own company, was a little bit better than I came. And I was the first who could go to university. Why? Well, the government paid for it because my father paid taxes for it. So the government could pay me. I worked a little bit. I could pay for myself. The next generation, my kids had much more opportunities than I had, than you had. So. What you see is generations are standing on the results of earlier generations. So we can't blame them for what they do. We can learn from them because they say, well, three or four days work, that's more than enough to earn money. Then I can go on holiday. 
I can go six months to Australia and have fun. Don't worry, be happy. It's, it's what we train them to do. I think the alpha generation, the next generation, and the B generation after that will go back to basics again. So Gen B will be the basic generation again because life is changing. The world is changing. It's different than five years ago. Mm. And I think we can learn a lot from Gen Z because they train us that it's about purpose. And if I have a, genera a, a, a talk with Generation Y and Z, like my colleague Gijs Hillman is an expert on that field, then we talk and we say, okay, they are showing us the way into the future. And then we make it positive and then we can align with them and see how we can work together. So I love to have five generations in a company. That's the most exciting thing because we can learn. Indeed. Um, Paul, the so we there, there are two sides. So we in at the beginning you started very nicely talking about this uh matching that there that should be between the company being open to communicate in the in in the right, in a genuine way their values, yeah. and a person uh who has its own value and it has a little bit of challenges, of course, to understand and to map, to understand really what is uh, what is important for me as an individual. Uh, what are the type of questions that for an employee should ask themselves uh, in order to decide a little bit like the clash song, uh, song should I stay or should I go yeah. from a company? Yeah. And you, I hope that you're a fan of the clash, uh, Paul. Uh, absolutely. Good. <laughs> well, I, I, I need to write that down and use it in my trainings. It, should I leave or should I go? But this, yeah, should I stay or should I go? That's that's the right. Well, the the point is, I don't think that there are real basic questions that you all need to ask. It's it's most of the time that feeling that you have on a Friday afternoon when you drive back from home. Do I have enough energy to go through the weekend and enjoy my life with my family and with my friends? Because I need to find why I'm working here and should I stay or should I go? That That is the question. Don't do it yourself. Talk with other people about that situation because they can review your emotions because it's a lot of emotion there. Mm. So I, I don't have specific questions. I do know training companies who, who have. For me, it's most of the time that feeling that you have and then you start communicating with other people. So, in fact, compared to previous generations, I would say where where we were encouraged to, you need pain, a little bit of efforts and sweat and tears, uh, Churchill style, in order to be successful. Today, people should ask themselves the big question is, 
what and exactly what uh, what you said am do i have enough energy to carry over the weekend when yeah. it's friday yeah i i think we we said many years work hard be successful and you will be happy mm. that that was normal now research shows if you're happy you can work hard and you will earn a lot of money so still we need to work hard life isn't soft to 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 many people so and not everybody has the brains to be an in inventor or whatever a lot of people need to work with their hands and work hard so still you need to have that feeling that you're doing the right stuff for yourself and when it gives you energy what you do even if you're cleaning the streets i don't mind if you love what you're doing and you feel happiness that's okay that's your work that's your life be happy with it um if you don't my slogan is make your choice it's your choice if you want to stay there that's fine maybe you earn enough money but you're not happy that's your choice um it looks like in the wordings pretty simple this story about your choice but psychologically we live out of fears in fact the fear of saying oh would i have enough if uh if i leave my corporate job that i hate uh, uh to do everything that i'm doing today uh, am i going to lose the opportunities for my kids we pack and push a lot of bullshit to our brains in order to yep. procrastinate and don't do shit about something yep. that is major because at the end the purpose of your life would be happiness uh the feeling of purpose the feeling of of being satisfied with what uh, what you do but and that includes even people like me that we go through the cycle of saying no it is not a good time yet until yeah. we break yeah yeah well that that's the point if 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 you look at research in the netherlands shows that about 35% of all the workers in the netherlands and especially the younger one have burnout sort of complaints mm. and that scares me because that's a third of all working people uh, have that fear of losing something and is it really that you're losing something or is it only the fear and is it that something that you put in your mind and you live by it or you try to get it out of your head and look at and that's why i love positive psychology change it change your perspective and say hmm like kelly mcconnell did in a book the upside of stress it's not the downside it's the upside we all need stress we all need that fear but am i living by it in a negative way or can i use it to make it positive energy again and make the next step again it's like walking the way it's like walking your camino what is my next step am i looking back or am i looking forward and that's my purpose in life to help people understand that we can use that negative voice in our brain to make it positive and of course i have that negative voice in my brain as well everybody has and you wake up in the night and you think oh this might happen well then it's going to happen 
So maybe we should say, no, it's not going to happen because I can make that next move. So you can wait till it happens to you or you can confront yourself and make the next step. That's what I try to do. I can't solve the problems in the world. I love to have people watch at it in a more positive way that you can make your choice, you can make that move. And even if you don't make a choice, you made a choice. Exactly. Yeah, it is a choice. It is a choice to do nothing. And that's fine. Because as long as you are aware of it, that you made that choice, I'm okay. Hmm. But it's it's up to you. You're not a victim. You are the hero. So this is about create your own hero story. And you can find it on, on the internet, 10 steps to become your own hero. Make your story. Uh, that's what we did in our book that you said. That was the beginning of Corona, by the way. We wrote it in 2019 with 10 or 12 people. And it was published in March 2020. We never sold many copies, I can tell you, because it was only for sale online and nobody knew about it because we didn't have any practice and conventions to go to. Still, in that book, we all wrote our hero story. Hmm. Who am I and what did I do to get to this level, to this position? And what were the choices I made during that life? And I must say, it helped me so much to make clear for myself, okay, I started there as a lawyer. That, that was what I liked to do then. And this is what happened in my life. And that is the choices I made to get to the level where I am now. I think 80% of the people don't think that way. And maybe we should encourage them to, to make that kind of stories for themselves and for their kids. Tell that story. But again, it is something that, for instance, corporations will not really encourage. It's already quite difficult for corporations to include alternative methods in order to optimize people's focus or abilities uh, or, or better skills at work. So if you tell them, let's do a training about how people can 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 drive a purposely uh, uh life uh, it, that's something that it will be very difficult to convince many organizations some well, are doing it this is yeah, good it, there is a, a nice slogan a nice saying that a C, cfo tells to the ceo look when we invest in people what happens if they leave and then the wise ceo said if we don't invest in them and they stay what happens then so i love it research if you put one dollar into human beings the effect will be four dollars so investing in people is always good because it's human beings that make the results not computers not ai it's human beings that do it so i think we are more aware nowadays that we should invest but some cfos and ceos are pressed by the shareholders to look at the long, the, the short term. Mm. What is your quarterly benefits? What is your EBITDA in this quarter? Yeah, that's sad uh, because it's the human beings that make the money. And I think that if you look 
at, at the working space now, especially in the Western world, we have not enough human beings to do all the work. So we should be much more clever in using them. And that is by training them, give them the space to develop. And maybe they leave. Well, okay, that's part. New ones will come in. So you need to communicate what your core values are, how you invest in people that people think, hmm, if I look at that company, I want to work there. That's really a good company for me. Then people will come. And I see the results that organizations do it that way. And now we have been talking about this area of people, uh, people's development. And, and in the last three years, there has been an explosion of different apps, digital tools that are supposed to improve uh, employee engagement. Uh, I mean, it's not that, and they don't go into the angle, let's do a bot that will replace a human being interaction, but it is kind of an enhancer of the human being capability. So instead of having one person to deal with 10, maybe it will be 100 or 200. What is your take on the use of technology to improve uh, this area of uh, employee engagement? Oh, I, I, I love it when there are tools that support the conversation mm -hmm. instead of taking over the conversation. I, I think uh, engagement has to do with autonomy, the feeling that you have influence on the content of your work has to do with belonging. And that means being part of a team and communicating with human beings. Uh, it has to do with um, your capability to do your work and it has to do with your purpose. So if we want to train people in those four areas, we need to facilitate it with an app or a tool or whatever, but it is all about communication in real life. Mm. So if we can't talk with our team members in real life and we do it only by app, that's not engagement. It, it can facilitate, but it doesn't take over the human interaction. And you are right, in fact, and that has been a big problem during COVID. There, there is this famous app called Slack. Uh, everybody was using it. And it's quite amazing, I must say. But then there was an overload of, of Slack and people were turning it off, turning it off because really it was too much. And uh, even Slack had to do a structured changes in their app so that because people were complaining and were dropping completely the, uh, the app. Well, the same with WhatsApp uh, groups. Uh, I, I mean, an international WhatsApp group, I think 800 people are part of it. I don't look at the messages anymore. Yeah. It's too much. And I use Slack. It's still on my uh, desk. Um, no, I'm out of it. And I still pay for it. That's, that's stupid, of course. <laughs> and I don't use it anymore because a lot of groups are gone from Slack to WhatsApp. And now you see on WhatsApp the same what happened on Slack. So is, is this kind of communication replacing the real communication? I don't believe it. Mm. That's I true. think that the real interaction and Gen Z is doing that much more than we think they do. 
of course, they use their phone a lot, but they talk with one another as well. And, and that's what we should um, encourage. Paul, we are arriving to the end of this beautiful discussions about employee retention and employee experience. And we have we have been discussing about this culture match, values matching one one and another, the need for employees to, to find this, this sense of belonging, having the possibility to become better version of themselves. Uh, it sounds cliche now that I am saying it. Um, uh, the possibility to constantly uh, have like possibility to decide on their own this uh, that that is so important for retention and in fact we we look we discuss about also the perception of generations where money perks is not that important as it was in uh, when we joined the, the workforce yeah. right paul how how is it possible to um to to reach you out for uh, if somebody wants to ask you any questions, uh, not, I mean, uh, we have discussed about employee experience and, and, and retention, but uh, I mean, I know that what you do in your company goes beyond that. So first, how can we reach you out, find you? And the second part is what can you do for them? Yeah, well, um, of course you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I must say to connect LinkedIn, type in Paul to Wall, write it in the correct way, but then you will find me, connect with me, LinkedIn, I have it in Dutch and in English, so people can understand what it is. My website, paultowall.nl and .com, and I offer to all the listeners on my website, I have the engagement benchmark tool. It's a survey with 16 questions that you can ask as a leader to your employees. And then you answer it, those questions. One of them is, do you think you meet with all the criteria of your employees? And then you can say 0%, 100. You will get an outcome. It's your outcome. We're not chasing anybody. So use it for free. Um, because then people will understand what the topics are that we consult in and that we try to help and create diverse and inclusive teams. That's beautiful. I'm going to be putting all this link. First, it would be amazing that to play a little bit with the free tool that you're offering. That's good. And I'm going to put also your LinkedIn profile and your yeah. web. Of course, the website is where you find the free tool. Yeah. That's that's co correct, Paul. It was really lovely to to have this discussion with you. I'm also glad that we we have a common person that we that we know. Uh, that's always uh, funny. Yeah, <laughs> the wall is so small. <laughs> Absolutely, we're connected within five stages to most of the people in the world. So that's always good. Paul, it was lovely. Thank you very much for your time and consideration for uh, for this growth hacking culture podcast. Thank you. Ivan, I love being with you and we had a great conversation.